Welcome to Problematic As Fuck, the show where we take controversial topics and make them conversational. We dare to have the conversations you are too scared to have that challenge the status quo and interrogate the times we are living in. One, One fucked up comment at a time. I'm B. And I'm Fee. And today's problematic opinion is. Welcome back to yet another episode of Problematic As Fuck, guys. Um, yeah, sorry we haven't been around much. You know, Corona has been rough. Coronavirus! <laughs> Coronavirus! <laughs> um, but yeah, we're happy to be back. And today's problematic opinion is that, you know, we know that Karen can be problematic. Um, we know that white people in general can be problematic. But there's quite a few things that we've learned from them. And today we'll be talking about the 10 things that we've learned from white people. Yes, in a world of Karens, <laughs> what value can we take from them? <laughs> There's a lot we can learn from them. The first one, of course, is their ability to complain. There is like a fine line between Karen knowing exactly what she's worth and just demanding better service. Yeah. So the obvious place we've seen this is obviously in the service industry, um, being able to call the manager (laughs) and ask for exactly what you want. Yep. Um, If it's too cold, heat it up. Mm -hmm. If it's not warm enough. Switch on the aircon. Exactly. Like, do like being able to ask for exactly what you want um, without feeling guilty about it. I think is definitely the number one thing we've all learnt from white people. Yeah, that I don't think we apply as much as black people, especially in service kind of industries. We sort of just accept that, like, okay, I guess the aircon is cold. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have, like, internal turmoil about the office aircon being cold, but we'll never actually say, could you switch off the aircon, please? Yeah, or we'll say it to each other. (laughs) Or we'll say it to each other, yeah, yeah. We won't take it to management. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So what is is that about? Is it, like... Yeah, exactly. We won't won't organize to to, to (laughs) get it fixed. So, I don't know, is it an issue of organizing? Is it like a fear complex? Or is it like a accepting things as they are complex? I think it's an accepting things as they are complex. I think how we've been raised as black people is mm. just be thankful that you're here. Exactly. Especially in a work environment, it's like just accept that like, you know, you made it through. You you are now earning enough, you know, don't let small things like it can't get you fired. Yeah. And it's funny because it's <laughs> not that... Black people don't have things to complain about. Facts. We're always complaining. I feel like we're always complaining. I feel like I complain a lot. Let me not say we're always. Let me not generalize for all black people, but I definitely I complain a lot. Yeah. But do I organize people to say, hey, we actually need to take action, or do I complain to management all the time? Definitely not. Mm. But it's something that I've consciously recognized about myself, and I'm like, I have to do this more. So now, if I have an issue with a server. I will raise it and okay. I'll be a bitch. Oh, you will ask to speak to the manager? But I'll ask to speak to the like manager. ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he'll come and he'll be very apologetic. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not just white people do this. Maybe it's like we never did it. and To we, begin with. Exactly. And yeah. we're going to get the exact same service if you complain a little more. Or in instances where I've seen black people complain, it's always like, oh, but who do you think you are? Yeah. Why are you making yourself better? I know. Do you know what I mean? And it's like a fine line as well between the person who's serving you or whatever of like, because there's also still respectability politics that come into play, right? It's like classic example. I worked at an organization and there was a lady who would clean all of the offices 
And of course, she's older than me, so I already have like reservations and stuff. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't clean my office. Yeah. But she would clean Stacy's office, who's younger than me. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do in that situation? So I have the exact same situation, <laughs> and I haven't said anything to her. You see, I have not said a word. You to her. see, I, I'll like make suggests suggestive like gestures, like you'll like go get the broom yourself, right? Or like I'll leave my cup <laughs> in a place that's visible on someone else's desk. Wow! But I, I definitely haven't gone to her and said like, why aren't you doing things particularly for me? So again, yeah, it's like as in you haven't done that. No, I haven't. Okay. I yeah. haven't said anything. And also, her. I also I, I realized as well that. I spent the entire year complaining about that, but I never mm. actually approached her to be like, "Mamas, what's going on?" I know, yeah, that's a that yo, that's a whole other. It's a topic. tough one. <laughs> I I can't even talk to you know like when you get helpers on sweeps out. Mm. Um, if you've ever done that, like I find it hard to ask people to do something for me. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a yo. I don't know, a bit of a sensitive. No, I don't know that's why really it true. is. And it's like um, there was a lady as well who used to clean my place, but she was a lot older. And I found it very uncomfortable in terms of like directing to say what I want to mm. be done. As soon as I got a younger lady or a lady who's like relatively close to my age, it felt a lot easier. Okay. Because it felt like I was talking to a peer. Right. But doesn't that feel strange as well? It's it like, is strange. Yeah, exactly. It's like it here strange. we both are. Why do I have to be telling you what to do? Then I, I just don't. So yeah. what I used to do is I used to make lists and oh. leave the list on the counter and then leave. And you wouldn't even say, hey, I've left the thing. No, I'd say I'd leave it. No, I'd say that. But it's better for me to leave a list of things that I need done than to say it directly to her. That is so weird. I know. Yeah, I actually never thought about (laughs) about how weird that is until now. That is weird. Um, But I think, yeah, just being able to speak up for yourself, I think is definitely one of the things. Yeah. Okay, let's... Agreed. Number two. Number two is that, listen, Karen is always involved in her child's life. Like, in all, she goes to all the sports games. She's in the PTA. Yeah. She's in, you know, raising funds. She's doing bake sales. Listen, she's always involved. Classic example. Another, you know, a lot of this content I'm getting from, like, when I'm in the workplace and I see a lot of what's happening. So I was chilling in my office the other day and, <clears throat> excuse me, this lady was on the fo- phone with her son's rugby coach Mm. because her son didn't make the team and she was literally on the phone to understand why didn't my son make the team excuse me exactly (laughs) exactly and she was trying to find out like is there no um can't we come to an agreement so that my son makes it on the team Jono is going to grow up and be on the team. Yeah. And he's going to grow up and write a novel about how he defied all odds and made it on the rugby team. Imagine. Yeah. Not knowing that his mom made Not one Not knowing call. that his mom made one freaking call yeah. to get him on the team. So, yeah. That's actually blended with the second one, right? It's mm. like, she was able to complain about, like, her son not being on the team. And she turned that into an action. Not yeah. just, like, complaining to her husband or the family or to him. Yeah. She turned it into an action. And it's this expectation that, like, when I complain, something's going to change something in my favor. Um, but I guess to the second point is being that involved in your kid's life mm. where you know exactly who to call when there's an issue and all of that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And it also like grooms the kind of person that that person is going to become, right? Like then they'll be able to be the person who doesn't take no for an answer, the person who does stand mm. up for themselves, the person who is like, no, I've defied all odds, guys. I, I remember the... Oh, and then they'll quote the example. There was one time <laughs> where I really wanted to be on the team and, like, I wasn't making it. And yeah. then I just worked really hard and then I made it on the team. Yeah. 
So that also speaks to how they show up in a work environment. That's true. They, they feed into each other here. Yeah. You can complain if you've defined all odds. Yeah, you've defined exactly. all odds. <laughs> and you deserve it. Right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, being involved in your kid's life, I feel like that's also a level of like um, time, right? So mm-hmm. if you grew up in a single parent household and yep. your, your, that single parent is the only person working, like they don't have the time yep. to, be do, to be running the bake sale mm-hmm. and to be the coach mm-hmm. and to be all of these other things, because right? Because also Karen is a stay-at-home mom exactly. most of the time. Exactly. And yeah. she, 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 she runs the bake sale and organizes the bake sale at Tasha's yeah. um, <laughs> when the rest yeah. of us... <laughs> are working so yeah i mean i would love that life too i would be super involved in that li- in my kid's life as well if i didn't have, didn't have all of these a nine to five to and then i didn't have to take my work home because i'm trying to prove myself mm-hmm. um so yeah there's an element of i guess like i don't want to say privilege but it's literally just having the time to yeah do that's that. true that's um, true there's no way my mom could have made it to all my basketball yeah. games there's absolutely no way or all my plays mm-hmm. you know never mind the fact that like I'm still taking public transport to get to work. Exactly. And now I'm going to spend the money that I would be spending to go to work with a taxi to come to your school, to come watch you play games on stage. Exactly. And then (laughs) if you go to a school that's not in your neighborhood, Yep. right, then that's even harder. So now what taxi is going to take you from where you live Mm. to freaking Danefern or wherever Mm. your school is for your parent to participate in that activity? That's another thing. It's like not every parent has a car. So it's like so complicated. If you're trying to take your kid to a different type of school that's not in your neighborhood, um, it's so difficult to be involved in that. And then it's like, I mean, just imagine like if you had a child and having to now participate with the Karens, Mm. you know, and like, be like no why don't we sell you know like maguena no. rather than i don't know like chocolate chip cookies yeah or like red velvet like i'm not saying that that's the kind of suggestion <laughs> that black people come with that's not what i'm saying <laughs> Mautana, you yeah. know, like. but i'm just saying it's like it's a different um yeah it's not your friend group it's not yeah. people that you know maybe it's just harder to um become acquaintances with the people that are running the events at the school that's true that's true okay the third one is white people have an ability to have blended families a lot easier than black people do and by blended families i mean so i'll grow up say i'm a white person and i'm growing up as yeah you know what i mean um (laughs) if i'm a child that comes from a white household and my parents divorce and my parents remarry they have the ability to now all of a sudden my parents and my step parents all go on holiday together and like all the kids are like friends and like my stepdad is now like close friends with my current dad not my current dad but like my biological (laughs) dad yeah they i don't know i don't know what it is about their upbringing or their society that allows them to have those relations a lot easier than it would be in black families have you never seen that in black families honestly it's probably there but i haven't seen it i i definitely haven't um i've seen it a lot in white families in terms of um especially in weddings Mm. so you'll have your like I've seen this new trend where your stepdad walks you like halfway through the, wow. and then and your then dad your walks dad you the rest of the way through. It. And it's like you have that kind of relationship with your blended family yeah. um, in that case. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, what is that about? I have no idea. Yo, let us know what yeah. that's about. Like, to all our white listeners, like, holla. Because <laughs> that doesn't happen in black families. Like, I don't even think stepfathers or stepmothers even talk to each other. In black. I mean, I've seen an example with, I guess, like, Will and Jada. But, I mean, that's a different, you know. I mean, in, like, black African Mm. If that would be a thing, I'm not. I I haven't seen anything like that. But you know, we blend um, when we have polygamous. Oh yeah, that's situations. actually a very good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in a polygamous, we're still all relating to each other, right? Like through one person. Through right? one person. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like we we are divorced and we are not relating that's anymore. True. You know, I guess with polygamy, it's not, I suppose it's a little bit easier because it's like, it's, that's the setup of the relationship. Exactly. It's like, we are a family. Exactly. That's what we do. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what that's about. And another one in terms of that is just like how easily white kids are able to introduce their partners to their families, even though it's not like for marriage purposes. Yeah. (laughs) Because I know in my family, it's like, if this person's coming here. For lunch, they better be married. I know, it better be serious. <laughs> like, I'm not just going to be casually, casually meeting random people. But I will say, that's something that I feel like I would want to change. Yes, me within, too. Yeah, it's definitely like, if you have a child, I would want to have them introduced yeah. earlier. And that's why it's like, something to learn, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not a, it's not necessarily a part of our culture, but I do think that it's it's a, it's a cool tool. It's a strong tool. Um, it yeah. brings you closer to your child. It helps you like oversee what's happening in their life more. So you'd be okay with your 16-year-old daughter going on holiday with you, wanting to bring her boyfriend with, and they have their own room. So here's the thing. If he pays for things, like his family pays for the trip or pays for his tickets, and I'm not going to pay for a little 16-year-old boy to come on. But it's your family trip. No, it's my family trip. If If his family says, we'll pay for everything on his side, cool. Okay. Will he stay in the same room? No. Okay. But I do think like... Yeah, I mean, why not? Okay. I, I wonder how they currently do it now, like if, in terms of payment, because my assumption is that it's just, yeah, 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 no, of course. Exactly. Yeah, John, you can absolutely come join. That's fine. That's my understanding. Yeah. Is that it completely <laughs> comes out of one family's yeah, pocket, exactly. and I'm like, no. <laughs> You're like, not in my house. Not in my house, no. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, the next one, number four, is white people still big, bruh. They, they don't waste their time with like, yeah, I know it's kind of like controversial, but like they don't waste their time with small. If you're gonna steal, steal big. Like it need, it, I'm gonna need you to do some money laundering, Literally. steal some land, you know, some Steinhof vibes, like um, an entire country, like an entire country, like yeah. And I've learned, and yeah, I've learned that from them as well. Is that if you're going to, you know, to steal, steal big. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um you know like we complain so much about corruption and mm-hmm. like the money that politicians take and like i get it mm-hmm. they do take money mm-hmm. um but white collar crime is i mean like the amount of theft that occurs in private corporations that are run by you know white ceos yep. is is way more than the couple <laughs> millions that exactly. our politicians are buying you know beamers with like yeah. really it is um and even things like the idea and this is complete speculation so (laughs) please check me on this um but even the i even like um like drugs coming into this country for example drugs Mm -hmm. going into a lot of countries like i very much doubt 
that people of color have the power to bring the amount of drugs that are in a country into the country. It has to be, it has to be going through like, it has to be going through some white hands. But that's my speculation. <laughs> it's what like, makes you? What makes you? Because like, that? like we don't run the companies, right? And it's like, okay. for example, one of the ways that people bring that that drugs flow in is like. They'll put it into like, um, I don't know, like furniture, for example. Uh-huh. But like, if you look at the biggest furniture companies, it's not They're going not to, black yeah, ones. or like, like, I don't know, like for me, like the logistics mm, I was gonna and say the logistics money, exactly the logistics and the money that needs to flow in certain illicit, um, sectors is like, it's not the kind of money that black people had, because if they did, we wouldn't be stealing government. Like we wouldn't be stealing from like. Yeah, government funds. Yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd be, have other other sources to be stealing yeah, from. Yeah, like... So we wouldn't have to... Exactly. Oh, that's an interesting point. Okay. Like, I'm not saying that black people, it doesn't pass their hands and there's not a little bit of, like, exchange there, but I'm saying, like, the massive quantities... Yeah. And the... the it's it, It's gotta be. But speculation, check <laughs> me. Let us know. So that, that's almost like white people then consider law to be just a suggestion, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not an obligation. We just suggest that you... You should follow things in and this And that's way. absolutely, like, the root of it. That I feel like to white people, um, the law is just a suggestion. And and, and, <laughs> and um, another example of this is, um, we'll put this in our facts, but Elizabeth Holmes. So mm. this is a, an example I always talk about because um, she just completely made up a company and it didn't even work. Who was Elizabeth Holmes? So Elizabeth Holmes, it was one of the, I think in 20, um, something, mm-hmm. she was the richest self-made billionaire female. The huh. f- yeah. So the first female self-made billionaire. Mm-hmm. And she did that by creating a company that was supposed to use one drop of blood to diagnose like hundreds of illnesses. So okay. people in the scientific community know that that like that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Like okay. and it's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Um and they've been trying to solve this problem for a very long time. And she dropped out of Stanford. Um and as they do. She dropped out of Stanford <laughs> after taking like a couple of courses and decided that she was going to run this whole thing and she started a company. She got billions or okay, millions yeah. from like um, connections, friends of a friend of a friend, mm. uncles, uncles, uncle. And yeah, she got a, a bunch of money and she ran this company and nothing worked. And so now the whole company is, it doesn't like it's been disbanded and um, she's facing fraud charges and all yeah. sorts of different charges. But it's literally like she finessed her way through an entire healthcare industry somehow because she was like her passion was more important than the law and and even the charges that she's facing they'll probably just be like oh no she's you know she's just delusional it's yeah. a psychotic what, what that's exactly what they're trying to please <laughs> exactly yeah so it's just like she was living in another reality guys exactly. sorry it's an oopsie yeah yeah so she became a billionaire through doing very little it's like the girl from um social dilemma the 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 documentary that we watched on Tell netflix me more. Um, I forgot her name, but she used to work for Cambridge Analytica or mm-hmm. the, oh no, that was in the great hack. Sorry, yes. not social dilemma. Um, and she knew exactly what all of these tech companies were doing in terms of stealing people's data and persuading them and persuading, you know, political mm. decisions and elections and stuff. And all she had to do was come forward and just speak at a, 
a, you know those, I don't know what they call them, but I don't know if it's constitutional court or yeah. just a court kind of setup. Mm. And she's, she just talked about it and exposed what they do. And then it was like, okay, cool. And she spearheaded like the entire thing, but it was like, okay, thanks for your cooperation. Yeah. Cheers. You know? Um, so yeah, don't steal small guys, steal big <laughs> is the takeaway. <laughs> Um, the next one is why people support each other's businesses in a way that I haven't seen black people do. Yeah, that one I think is... Which is something I've learned from them as well. If a white person is going to open up a wine company... I mean, yes, granted all of the other systemic stuff that they have the money, etc., etc. But once they say that they're going to produce mugs or soaps or whatever, um, their counterparts don't just share the pages on Facebook. They don't just like Ooh. the idea. You know what I mean? They actively um, say for the wedding that we're going to have in December, we're going to order that person's mm. wine. And that's how the businesses grow. For the lodge that I'm going to open, I'm going to book my entire family to come to your lodge. Yeah. So they really put their money where their mouth is. But let me push you. In our earlier ep- episode, yeah. you said you would not invest in a black company. I didn't say oh, okay. I would invest in a black <laughs> company. I just... You'd be more cautious. I'd be more cautious. And yes, I, I was very frank to say that it's also something that I need to work on in terms of my own consciousness, yeah. right? It's like, am I willing to, if a friend says that they're going to start a hair care line, am I going to buy those products or yeah. am I just going to promote it on my social media? Yeah. Because, but I guess yeah, that's what we're saying, right? That's something we've learned. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be more conscious about black businesses um, I think it's hard to get the information about which business is black owned, whatever else. Yeah. But I think interrogating your own um, biases, biases exactly, and then pushing back against those and then trying to support, I think, is definitely a lesson. Agreed. Um, the next one is that they network a lot and they they network up, and um, they understand the value of constantly. I guess it ties in with the the previous one, but they understand the value of, um, of networking. So a golf game is not just a golf game. You know, a coffee is not just a coffee. Um, they literally an entire fabric of their society is networking to, essentially enrich themselves. Yeah, and I don't. I, I'm not. I don't think that that's not a thing that black people do. To be quite honest, I think we do do it. I just think it's not, on a larger scale maybe i don't know and maybe it doesn't turn into any results so if you go to um like if you're part of a um a golf club and you can network with the people there it might turn into a job offer or funding or Mm. whatever else whereas like with us if it like if you have a networking event it doesn't it it, sometimes it doesn't turn into anything Mm. so it's about actually like activating your network not just having one yeah um yeah mm, that's a good point okay number seven number seven is white people <laughs> they say you're not as good as you think you are you're better that's something i've learned from them is listen white even if a white person doesn't know what the fuck is going on in a meeting they will show up as if they know what's happening in that meeting right um and i always say this to friends who are like either you know going into interviews or whatever is to channel the confidence of a mediocre white man Ooh. like listen i'm gonna need you to just channel your inner jono <laughs> <laughs> channel your inner jono and like just go for that interview and talk like listen 
you understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah, reality is half of the people don't know anything. Yep. Um, and so I guess it's like yeah, just having confidence in yourself, I suppose. Mm. Um, and it and it speaks to also imposter syndrome, right? So yeah. coming in. And just not even having that, not mm-hmm. even thinking about yourself as an imposter. In fact, thinking of yourself as an immediate asset to every single conversation. Exactly. <laughs> you know why? Because the parent already Ooh. called the rugby teacher exactly. to let you on the team. So you've mm-hmm. never had a place in your upbringing where you've ever had to experience imposter syndrome from jump. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something that I like. Big ups to Jonathan. <laughs> for that laugh lesson um the next one is oh this is some this is one that we got from a listener that white people put themselves first yeah so it's not to the second yeah yeah so it's not about ubuntu and all of these things it's let me progress and i'm gonna bring the people my immediate people with me yeah so not the whole community not the whole my immediate family okay so we have two more, but I'm going to ask this question. Yeah. Are all these lessons good lessons? Are they <laughs> things that we actually want to carry on? Or are some of them like, this is actually a shitty way to live life. We should actually get rid of this entire way of living and do better. Because I do understand putting yourself first as in like making yourself a priority, not always thinking about, you know, how this is going to affect my entire community or family, yeah. but it's like, look out for yourself. But it's like, is that the best way? Yep. (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's my thing. In order for you to be able to fill into the cups of others, you need to fill your own cup. And Mm -hmm. if there's anything that I've learned is how much more effective I have been able to show up in my friends' lives, in, you know, any relations that I have was because my cup was filled first. Mm. And and it was as soon as I accepted or I was comfortable in accepting that truth that I was able to show up better okay. in my different relations. Okay, so put yourself first, but that does not mean you need to push other people down to do no, that. No, no. I think that's the distinction. Okay, and are we saying that that's what white people do? Is that they put themselves... <laughs> You're looking at me fine. <laughs> Side yes. eye. Is that yeah. they put themselves first... Um, to the detriment to of the other detriment people, of but other almost people. like, yeah, you, you'll you'll push someone under the bus to put yourself first, and I think Hectic. that's wrong. Or you'll you know like like we some of the other things you'll steal big, but by doing that, someone else is going to have to lose big. Yeah, right. So yeah. I think it's like, I don't support the idea of 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 pushing other people down, but completely putting yourself first to fill other people. Yeah, okay. I agree. Okay. What about instances where you... So Pablo Escobar, right? For example. Stole big to uplift his community. And the community but, loved him. And the community loved him. But in doing that, also pushed other people down. What, like people that were addicted to drugs? Yeah, no, well, that, but also just killed people so that he could, you know, progress. I also, I know this is controversial. We don't know if Pablo Escobar is even white. I know POC, what, what? What's yeah, it? Yeah, he is. Yes. He's POC. He's POC. He's, yeah. Um, but, yeah. In South Africa, he'd be white. <laughs> <laughs> he would, though. Sorry. That's tough. That's tough. Because he did so much great for his community, exactly. to be honest. Um, it's like the ends justify the means. Yeah. That's a safer conversation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, the number next nine. one, number nine, is that 
um, white people know how to use their privilege and they know when and where it's valuable. So when we came across this one, my thinking was, do people, because one of the critiques was that white people know that they have white privilege and they utilize it to their best, you know, capabilities or whatever. But my question is, do they though? Do they really know that they have privilege? Do people who have privilege know that they have privilege? I think to a certain extent, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, again, I've seen this mostly in the service industry. Um, one example I have is, uh, going to a staying going to a hotel with your colleagues yeah and my and we we're doing the exact same job but for some reason my white colleague had this sounds petty right <laughs> but for some reason my white colleague had like a refrigerator in her hotel room and for some reason they had placed me in a room without a refrigerator as, as if I didn't want cold water <laughs> and, <laughs> and I I just I, I like when You're I like, found no, out this is ridiculous. I, when I found out, I was like, um, excuse me, we are doing the exact same job. Why do you have cold water and I don't? And I complained about it, but that was like, it's. I mean, and I've seen her do the same thing. Okay. I've seen her do the same thing in situations where she asked for things, um, where it wasn't even an expectation. So I didn't even know that we could even ask for that on the company's budget. Yeah. But she would go there and be like, excuse me, like, can I have this, whatever, whatever else. And I think the point of using your privilege is like, she knew who to ask. So mm. she didn't, she, she, she knew which manager to go to and all that kind of stuff. And um, I definitely think that's, that's a level of understanding your privilege and understanding what you should have. Yeah. And then activating that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I'm still, uh, yeah, okay, no, I see that, I see that. Um, it's like, it's like, it's precisely what you're saying when um, a friend wants to book a reservation at a restaurant in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the group, it's like, who's going to book the reservation? I'm not going to go with, like, my black ass on yeah. the name. So, Jessica, do you mind? Exactly. <laughs> and Jess will just, you know, get on the phone and be like, yeah, reservation for, you know. And all of a sudden, it's not fully booked anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what she would do. She So, she knew that she had privilege because when we needed to ask for something as a group, she would be like, I'm going to ask for this. Yeah, and they always do volunteer. Exactly, hate. because yeah. it's unacceptable that we would have this kind of this, mm. whatever. And it's like, I know that I'm, again, I know that I would complain about this thing, but for you to volunteer to go and complain on behalf of all of us, you know that you know that you you're going to have gonna... exactly, You know that they're going to answer to you differently. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. And number 10 is that white people don't accept things as they are. Um... And I, I guess it speaks to the first one. They they understand that the outcome can always change. The outcome of any decision, if it's not within their favor, can change. Exactly. And like one of the things, again, we've spoken about was have, asking for your paper to be remarked or reevaluated. <laughs> That's something that I didn't even know was a potential thing. And you so did you see that in varsity? Does yeah. That and like varsity? there's always those emails, right? That is like, you know. If you want your paper to be reevaluated, like you can. Jeez, we never had that. Really? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Well, okay. Some some universities will give the option to yeah. say you can have your paper reevaluated. Others, it's like they're not going to promote that idea, but it's mm. definitely always an option. Hmm. Um, so yeah, like things like that. Just knowing that the result is not always fixed. You can change it. Yeah interesting yeah let us know what you guys have learned from white people <laughs> let us know if the things that you've learned from white people are positive and if we should yeah. keep doing it as a like as a species as a species 
um yeah so thank you guys for listening remember you can follow us on our social media we are problematic underscore aff on instagram you can follow us on where else are we i think that's where that's the only place yeah oh you can email us at afproblematic at gmail.com um so yeah let us know what you think of the episode please don't forget to like comment and subscribe you can find us on all your platforms where you listen to podcasts thank you for listening bye Bye. Also, we value your opinions on topics. So follow us on our social media channels to share your comments, get more information about topics, and get updates about our next episode. Thank you for listening to Problematic as Fuck.